it's a Saturday morning and you came to church. Man, this must be like the real like spiritual folks from the church. Is that right? And uh, what I was impressed with was, um, you know, a lot of churches, they'll have like little continental breakfasts and um, you guys have like biscuits and gravy. Like, like, you know, that's anointed right there. I love this church already. I fell in love with you. I love your pastors, and I've known them from afar for many years, just seen them at so many different conferences and places, and it was only just within the last few years that we got to, got to uh, get to know, know them just a little bit, and um, I think your pastor has like one of the coolest voices ever, that raspiness, and Pastor Mark, he can kind of like imitate, and it's just more anointed when you can, when you can preach like that, it's, just, it's just, just more fuego that comes with it, and Pastor Lois, she's got some, we, we say like this, you got so much swag, girl. You got, she's just so stylish, and she's, just makes you look good, Pastor Doug. She's anointed, and I love being with them. And, and Pastor Mark, man, we go back for a long ways, and I sure love him. And one, one of the legends in our movement, and um, incredible prophet. And, uh, and last night, I thought he preached a great word. Amen. Great word. Such a great word. I said, man, would you like send that to me? Because I'm going to preach that word again. And I, I'm going to tell people that God gave me a word. <laughs> you know, God can use different means to give us his word, right? And so, <clears throat> but that was a great word. And love, love hanging out with you and being a part of what God's doing here. Love this church. I've known of you for, for years now and uh, your reputation is a good one, and uh, people that love the Lord, and a thriving church, and uh, a place that, that, that loves the presence of God, you love the presence of God, and because of that, it's, it's easy to kind of tap into the things of the Spirit, because you are a prophetic people, not a pathetic people, but a prophetic people, and um, so it was fun last night hanging out, and today we'll, we'll have some more times to, to just flow, and you know, I have a brother-in-law, he is a doctor, and he had gone to school, and in med- medical school, you have to go after you're out of high school, in his case 12 more years and I was doing the math I'm like that's about a quarter of a century of going to school right there right and after all that he gets this degree and now he gets to practice medicine he's got the doctorate's degree but he's practicing medicine or lawyers they go to school and they practice law well today we get to practice the prophetic and uh, so we're going to practice on you ha <laughs> <laughs> we have a great time. Um, I love the Northwest. I love Washington. Uh, my great grandpa is actually from this state. And just a brief story there, the testimony of God's faithfulness. He was a great, devout Catholic man, great morals, good man of God. And um, they understand church as we understand it. And uh, so this would be in the early 1900s. And he, again, he had good morals. He had four kids. And um, at the age of 50, he... Uh, he died, and, um, and his kids were just growing up, and uh, he died, and he met Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, you never fulfilled the ministry that I called you to fulfill, and so I'm going to send you back. So at the memorial service, he sits up out of the coffin and walks out. It scares the hell out of people. <laughs> Literally. And starts preaching the gospel, and... Uh, so God had brought him back, and he began to travel all throughout the state, all throughout Washington and Idaho and Oregon, California. And uh, he didn't go to seminary, but he met Jesus. He hadn't learned a lo- whole lot of 
theology, but he met Theo, you know, and uh, so he just began to preach what he believed and signs and wonders accompanied because that's biblical. And, um, and so many people got saved and, and, and healed and delivered. And he came all the way to San Francisco and he preached in San Francisco. They, they did massive crusades and signs and wonders. And then San Francisco then was already liberal. They kicked him out. Isn't that crazy? Then. They're like, we, you're a charlatan. You're, you know. And uh, so it was even recorded in the San Francisco Chronicle, you know. And they deny the piles of tumors and stuff like that and, and like whatever. All that to say that God has a sense of humor because all those years later, he sent his great-grandson back to go plant. Come on. And so we've been going for seven and a half years now in San Francisco. And God, God is building his church, and we're just thrilled to be a part of it. My wife, Elena, she is the gift, the greatest gift of God outside of salvation. She's the greatest gift of God to me, and uh, God has blessed us with four kids. We preach and populate. Hallelujah. And uh, so it's been wonderful. And Maybe I'll tell you guys tomorrow a little bit more about our story in, in San Francisco and what the Lord's done. But it's been, it's been such a great journey, and we love having friends now like you and your pastors who partner with us. And this gospel still works even in crazy San Francisco. Amen, someone? Final maybe testimony is uh, just this last, uh, this last recent season, God gave us a, a building. So we, had a bu- we have a building, and then another building was given to us, and an $8 million building. So that's a testimony of God's <laughs> generosity and faithfulness and this gospel continues to work. Amen. Hey, today I'm going to um, just share a few thoughts with you, and I'll get out of your way so we can practice, <laughs> so we can, like, share the prophetic word over you. But um, just a couple thoughts real quick on what I, I would call the prophetic potential. So last night we heard about the doors, the doors that God has. This morning we had a, a song about your presence is an open door, and I love that. I love that theme. So I'll, I'll try to kind of weave it together just a little bit, but prophetic potential because we serve a God who knows all things. He's, he's the God who is present at all times, right? The beginning, the middle, and the end. And he is omnipresent, not just physically, but also in time. And um, so when he speaks, and I like what Pastor Mark was saying yesterday, uh, and I, I like to say like this, God never has an idea. Because an idea implies that you didn't have it, you didn't know it just a few moments ago, and all of a sudden, ha, huh, it came to me. When, when it comes to God, he already knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And because he knows all things, he can actually declare his things through his people. And prophetically speaking, he's got a perfect will for all of our lives. And yet, there's something that we'll explore this morning called the prophetic potential. Because unfortunately, from at least my experience, I've seen so many folks where they actually settle for something less than the full promises of God for their lives. And we're going to explore that idea just a little bit and what it is to not, not settle for just less than what God has. So this thought comes from 2 Kings chapter 13, just a few verses, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel, he visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see chariots and charioteers of Israel, and he cried. And, and Elisha told him, he says, get a bow and some arrows. And the king, he did as he was told. And Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hand, and then he commanded, open the eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elisha proclaimed. Here's a prophetic word. He proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely, someone say completely. You will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the, uh, the other arrows and strike them against the ground. Now, again, we're, we're possibly very familiar with this passage right here, right? So the king, he picked them up, and he struck the ground three times. 
But the man of God was angry with him. So this old guy is dying. <laughs> and he's prophesying over the king. And, and he's just, he's at right at the end of his journey. And he's making these bodacious declarations and prophetic words. It says that the, the, the prophet, the man of God, he became angry with the king. He says, you should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Now, there's so many different things and angles that I could kind of like approach this from. But I, from when I read this right here, here is a prophecy that was declared. You shot the arrow, bam, here is the prophetic word. This will surely happen. You will completely destroy them. And then moments later, like the prophecy changed. There was an amendment. There was an adjustment to the word. All of a sudden, instead of completely destroying them because of the lack of perhaps faith or response or understanding on behalf of the king, all of a sudden now he only settles for three wins. Now, I would like to put myself in the king's shoes. It's like this, this guy, I mean, he's a prophet. He's a little different than most of us. He's grabbing my hand and asking me to shoot this arrow, and he's making these proclamations, and I know that he's, he's soon going to be graduating to heaven, and, and it's like, dude, did this guy lose his marbles a little bit? Like, what's going on? He's shooting arrows, and he's telling me to strike the ground with these arrows. You don't strike the ground with arrows. So I think that possibly, I don't know, maybe I would have responded maybe like the king. I don't know. Because it's like, you want me to do what? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? So he kind of, I don't know if he reluctantly struck the ground, but he struck the ground only three times. Like, is this good, old man? <laughs> I don't know. But to the point where the prophet became, he, he was irked. He was upset. He became angry. Like, what is wrong with you, boy? You know, like, you missed the anointing. This is a prophetic moment. And we can speculate. There's so many different ways that we can look at this, but I think it had a lot to do with his response, like, like he just didn't understand or appreciate or know how to respond. Perhaps he didn't come in agreement with an attitude and a heart of, uh, of faith, like, man, those, those enemies, they've been harassing us for so long, and they're the enemies of God's people, and they hate God, and they want to they destroy us, and, and yes, God is declaring this, so I'm going to come in agreement. He apparently missed the opportunity, whether it was intellectual or whether it was a faith heart kind of a thing. So that's kind of the thought that I want to just kind of unpack a little bit this morning. When God speaks to us, what should be our response? Because many times when God speaks, we don't understand it. Let's be real. We don't understand it. Most of the times it doesn't make sense. When God's speaking to us, the Bible says in Isaiah that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are way, way higher than our thoughts. And he sees from a whole different perspective. And yet oftentimes God would declare these things over us. And when it doesn't make sense, how do we respond to that? I think that there's something about our heart responding because we, we know the character of God and we know his track record. It's always perfect. How should we respond? And um, a couple of thoughts that come to me in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, for instance. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, you, you're familiar with the verse that says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and future. Then you will seek me and you find me when you seek me with your whole heart, Right? God already knows the plans he has for us. They're amazing plans. They're great plans. So it's not like he's trying to figure it out. He has great, great intentions, great thoughts towards us. And, um, and then here's another one in Isaiah 55. When God speaks his word, it's in the same context of when God's speaking through the prophet. And he says, my ways are higher than your ways. Just a few verses prior to that, he says, when I send my word, when I speak my word, when I declare it, it hits the target. It doesn't return to me empty or void. 
So when God has a thought and he has an intention, when he has a plan and he declares it, it's not like he's going to like, man, I hope I can make it. No, it actually hits the target. It never comes back to him empty or void. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, actually, it says that God actually, he watches over his own word that he might perform it. Another version says that he might perfect it. And the idea there in the Hebrew is that when God speaks his word, the idea in, in the Hebrew of him sending forth his word and him watching over his own word, it's the idea of God running alongside of his word so it is impossible for it to, for it to miss the target. So he sends forth his word and he accompanies it. He continues to walk alongside of it, watching over it that it might accomplish that for which it was sent. So when it comes to God, we know that on his end, he's always going to come through. He's always going to follow through. Now, when it comes to God's prophetic words over our lives, and we studied and learned a little bit last night about this, there's, there are some promises and prophetic words that are they're unconditional. It's like it's going to happen regardless. For instance, when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When he says, I'm going to build my church, it doesn't matter what kind of hell come against him and whether we're in agreement or not, the, the church is going to be built. He's going to fulfill that promise. So that's not debatable. That's not, we don't question that. He's going to follow through. Our privilege is like, man, we want to partner with something that Jesus is building. Amen. We don't build a church. He builds the church. And that's the winning ticket right there. Because it's going to be a glorious church, and it's an advancing church. So it's a promise that will happen whether we're in agreement with it or not. But then there are conditional promises or prophetic words. And Pastor Mark alluded to this last night. It's the if-then principle. If my people who are called by my name, right, it says, then I will. So in other words, God says, I have great plans, great intentions for you. So if you do your part, I'll most definitely do my part. So if you come in agreement with my will, I'm going to, I'm going to come through. And how many of you know that? That God always does the heavy lifting. <laughs> we don't have to do God a big massive favor. Like, oh my gosh, God, I'm doing you such a big favor. Aren't you proud of me? Like, we ain't doing him no favor. We're blessed. We're being obedient. And sometimes it might feel like even a sacrifice. But, um, but it's a privilege. And what a, what a responsibility that we have. What a, what a thrill and what a, what a privilege that we have to partner with him. So many of his promises, when he declares those over us, we've got to do our part we got to partner with him. we got to come in agreement with him. So why is it that as some of God's promises, they, they perhaps, some of the prophetic words that we've heard maybe, maybe over our own lives or family members, maybe over our pastors, come on somebody, maybe over our church or churches, why is it that sometimes some of those prophetic words don't seem to materialize? And if you've been walking, if you've been doing this journey of faith for a while, maybe you can say, I know what you're talking about. Right, somebody? Like, why is it that those, some of those prophetic words, they just don't, don't, they don't come about? What happened? Did we zig when we should have zagged? Did God forget about those promises? <laughs> Think of Joseph, right, in the Old Testament where he starts having these prophetic dreams. And like, wow, and he tells us, and he was just immature, but God was, God already had everything scripted. I mean, he had a famine in mind. It's like he had all these different things, and, and, and then it would lead up to this point where his setback became the platform of breakthrough, right? And so God, God doesn't forget the, the plans that he has for us. He understands those things. And, but why is it that sometimes his words are either delayed or they don't materialize? So many different thoughts there. Here's, here's a thought. It's really, about, it's really about our response, really. It's really about our response. You can have all of what God has promised and some of what he's promised or none of what he's promised. It's really up to you. 
So you can have everything he's promised or maybe some of it or sometimes none of it because it really has a lot to do with how we respond. I think of like the, the promise that God had over the people of Israel. So remember, they were, they were slaves in Egypt. And Egypt, by the way, is just this picture of slavery to sin, right? It's like, man, we were once bound and we were slaves to sin. And that's the picture there. That, and then God sends Moses as a redeemer to take him out of captivity and bring him through the wilderness. And he's got a promised land in mind for them. And he makes these promises. I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey. I heard a preacher once preach, I'm going to take you to a land of silk and money. <laughs> no, it's milk and honey. <laughs> and uh, literally, and it was like a tongue twister. He actually messed up and like, I, I didn't mean to say that. But um, so here's a promise that God declares to his servant Moses, but also to the entire nation. And when he declared that, God in his heart believed and, and desired that the people would experience this. But as we know, Moses disqualified himself and that entire generation disqualified themselves. True? And it, it was a promise to them and, and, and their offspring. And then so we see the next generation now, Joshua and Caleb, the two that remain from the previous generation, God then tells Joshua, says, hey, Moses, my, my servant, he's dead. Now get ready because I'm going to use you, and I'm going to take my people into the promised land. So, so they cross the Jordan River. They start conquering all these different territories and strongholds. And out of the 12 tribes, when we study the scripture, though, remember, for 40 years, they were, they were camping out in the desert. There's sand everywhere, sand and their biscuits and gravy, sand, sand everywhere. We'll just leave it at that. They're just sand. And they have become comfortable because they had settled on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And the Bible says that though they, they overtook the, 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 the land of the Canaanites, they began to drive away all the, 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 the strongholds, right? Two of the tribes chose to stay on, out in the sand. The potential was there. The promise was there. God's heart and intentions, they were there. But they chose to settle on the other side. They settled for less than what God had purposed or intended for them. And that's a picture of so many Christians where God has so much more. Someone say more. more. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life barely abundantly. Came to give you life and life more abundantly. There's more that God has for us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, right? God has so much more, but so many of us Christians, we settle for what is comfortable because, well, there's different thoughts on that one. Maybe we become tired of fighting. You know, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So sometimes we're just kind of sick in our spirit and our, our soul becomes a bit bruised. I'm like, ah, you know what? It's good. This is good enough. And we kind of settle for whatever. But God always has more. I don't know about you, but I, I want to claim everything that God has for me. I want to be obedient. I want to be responsive. God, if you, if you purpose that for me and for us, then, Lord, we want to go. We want to go. We want to go all in. And yet it's, it's unfortunate as, as we continue to live life and we see it just happen again and again. And I'm sure it happens here in Aberdeen as well. But so many people just settle. Can we just kind of just, just have this conviction in our hearts? God, we're not going to just settle. We're, we're going to cash it all in. We're going to pursue you first because you are deserving. And God, we're going to pursue all that you have for us because really it's not just about us. It's also about generations that are following us. So if God set you up for this moment and it's like, man, you're the David that's called to conquer the Goliath. Well, there's a generation that's coming after you. If you don't do your part, what are they going to do? So a couple quick thoughts very briefly here when it comes to prophetic and we'll have some of that even today. These are what I would call some action steps for us. Like, what do we do then? So we know God's going to do his part. Like, what do we do? What is it that he expects from us? What's my responsibility? 
The first one is believe the word. When God speaks, believe the word of God. Now, the Bible is the infallible word of God. Prophets, you know, we're practicing. And we know in part and we prophesy in part. And, and when we prophesy, it's, we, we don't bat a thousand. You know, sometimes it's prophets, we make mistakes. And that's part of it. And that's the beauty of a local church. And you have a, you have a mature team here. As you receive prophetic words, you submit that prophetic word to the pastoral oversight of the house. They're the ones that watch over your soul. They give account, according to Hebrews 13, 17. They give account to God on your behalf. So as you receive these prophetic words, you submit them to pastoral oversight. And that becomes, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a pet peeve of mine. Um, I think in our generation right now, and by the way, our worship today was amazing. And me too. I was impressed. i like, how does this dude multitask? He's strumming, singing, kicking. It's like, can you chew gum too? Like, like talented, anointed. Worship was anointed, and I, I think that in, there's, I don't know, Pastor Mark, maybe you can correct me later, but I feel like even our theology and worship kind of sometimes gets a little messed up, because even like some of the songs we sing, like, like, you know, his love floods us. Well, in Bible college, we learned that floods were never constructive, they were always destructive. They destruct, they destroy. Um, so, the, so when God moves, he doesn't move like a flood. When we sing songs because they're like, it just, yeah, your love floods me. You're like, flood me, God. Like, destroy me, will you? And <laughs> but when, when God moves, the, the idea in the Holy Spirit is referred to as water or as a river, right? And there's a river, there is a river whose streams, they make glad the city of our God. Rivers, uh, rivers are good. Floods are not good. And um, so when it comes to the river of the prophetic, the Holy Spirit moves, but he establishes banks. The Bible, the Word of God, and pastoral oversight. That's, what, that's the difference between a river and a flood. A flood is just destructive. There's no boundaries. There's no accountability. It is what it is. But a river, man, there's, there's strength and security and safety and stability. Why? Because it's the Word and that which God has instilled. And he's, a, he's appointed some to be pastors. So, so with, with that security, of the river can flow freely. It's not static. It's not stagnant. It's just not destructive. It's, it's healthy, and it grows. And there is a river. Come on, somebody. And we, we our, our churches, man, we are built next to a river, and there's life, and there's vigor, there's vitality, and there's this current that flows. That's the Holy Spirit. So when, when, when God moves and when he speaks, we, we believe the word of God. We receive it. We accept it. We can experience a little bit of God and yet miss what God is saying. A lot of us are addicted to experiences. We love to be like stirred up. Ooh, I felt the presence. Now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> In the 90s, we had a movement called the Renewal. And I remember Wendell and Jenny. Y'all remember that Wendell and Jenny and the Renewal movement? It's like, you've been renewed. Now get up and do something with it. But we became like presence junkies. We could come back. I want seconds and I want thirds. I just want to like feel God some more. But eventually, once you renew, now go and be revived. Go and... Go and reach people. Amen. So believing the word of God is, is embracing it. It's, it's, it's like it's just it's coming in agreement with it. Believe that he has great plans for you. Some of us, we think like, well, because of my mistakes, because of what I've done or maybe what I didn't do, I've missed my opportunity. And man, the train has left the station. I want to remind you that God can redeem time. And even when we make mistakes, he could actually he can create a path that brings us back. So your best days are not behind you, but they're right now. God is still a good God, and he still has great things in store for you. So believe the word of God. 
When the enemy comes to remind you of your past and your mistakes, come on, somebody, remind him of, of who God is and his plans for you. Like, my God can do this for me. And so we got to come into agreement with that. Believe that he's able to do it as well. So not only, not only does God have great things in store for you, but God's able. There is nothing impossible with our God. And by the way, if you've been doing this journey of faith for a while, God sure loves to just kind of reveal his might and his power. And he uses just like very unlikely characters. And he sets us, sets us up in very unique situations where we're completely dependent upon him. I can't do this. And God's like, that's right, you can't. <laughs> but I want to. And I will if you allow me to. So we believe the word of God. And I could preach more on that. But let me take it the next thought, the other action step here. Number two is so not only do we believe the word of God, but then we receive it in faith. Receive it. So God speaks that prophetic word over you. Believe it in your heart. Come into agreement with it. But then receive it. In other words, posture yourself to receive it. It's like you're receiving a gift. Hug it. Embrace it. We have four kids, and my youngest son, Ethan, he, uh, he's a strong little dude. He's like a fullback in football. Strong. Uh, when he used to hug me, it's like, man, it's just a little kid hugging me. Now when he hugs me, it's like, oh, you're squeezing the <laughs> daylights out of me. Like he's, and he loves daddy so much, and he squeezes me. It's like, and when I think of the promises of God, when we truly believe it and we receive it, we squeeze it, we embrace it, we latch onto it. I'm not letting go. I think of when I was a kid, we used to go to these theme parks and, Growing up as a Brazilian kid, y'all have, like, some amazing theme parks here in the U.S., right? Disneyland, Six Flags, all these fun places. Well, we went to the ghetto. I mean, we had some missionary kid, like, our thing. We had, like, a couple rides, you know, the merry-go-round. Like, and there's this one ride where you would, you would, I mean, it was completely unsafe. No seatbelts, no nothing. But you would <laughs> climb on this ride. It was like this big circular thing, and we'd sit down on these benches, and uh, we just hold on for dear life, and it'd start spinning. And then it'd start tilting. You remember those rides from way back in the 70s? Yeah. I mean, OSHA would never approve that these days, right? All the regulations like that. But anyways, we, and I remember riding that my first time, and all of a sudden, I'm a skinny little kid, and all of a sudden, I start slipping off the bench. <laughs> I'm holding on to that thing for dear life as it's spinning. Ah, I think it's going to shoot me, right? And when the ride finally comes to an end and everyone stopped and everything stops, I can't let go. Like, oh, I've been white-knuckling it for like five minutes. Ah, let go. That should be actually our response to God's words. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on for dear life. Oh! Until God follows through. Ah. You guys are great. Saturday morning, folks, you guys are awesome. Another action step. When God speaks his word and his thoughts towards us, we got to trust that God's actually going to do his part. And what I mean with that is we're not sure if we're going to do our part, but we also got to trust that he's going to do his part. We got we to trust it. And I've heard it said that if you, if, you take things out of, or if you take things into your own hands, you're taking them out of God's hands. So there are certain things where when he says and he speaks and he declares, we got to trust that he, he'll do his part on his terms, on his timing, on his turf, and we can't accelerate that. We, we, we should only be concerned about what he's asked us to do. And, and when we try to th take things into our own hands, that's when we come up with things called Ishmael's. And when God begins to speak certain things, like, well, let's just give... Let's just give God some help. Let's try to do this on our own. And then we mess things up. 
So we got to trust God that he's going to follow through in his perfect timing. Tomorrow I'll share some examples of how even the first building that God gave us, a porn studio, and I'll tell you about that tomorrow. Because <laughs> God has a sense of humor, right? But even the timing of how God, how God delivered that, it was just, man, it's just so like God. Because he kept us so like praying and fasting and depending on him. He's like, it's the perfect recipe. But when God, when God speaks, we got to trust that he's going to do his part. Don't take things out of his hands, which leads us to the last thought, which is when God speaks, then we obey and we do our part. No more and no less. We don't add to it and we don't take from it. We just do what God has instructed us to do. And someone once said that delayed obedience is still disobedience. So when God speaks, we obey quickly and we follow through. We don't add to it and we don't water it down. So th those are just a few thoughts that will help us. And I, I know that these help me. It's a, a, just a basic, simple reminder. God continues to speak. The, the question isn't, does God speak? He obviously speaks and he communicates to us all the time. The prophetic word of God finds us in every season of our life and our journey. There are time and time again in my life where, where prophetic words came like, oh, thank you, God. You still know who I am. You still know where I'm at. You still know where you're leading us. Thank you for finding me. So the prophetic word will find us, but it has everything to do with our response. Will we trust him? Are we going to believe him? Are we going to obey him? Will we do our part? Amen. Can I pray for you? And we'll transition. We're going to practice on you this morning. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much again for your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you know us and you call us by name and you've got great things in store for us and you want to continue to speak your thoughts to us. And Father, even today as we position ourselves, Lord, we want to hear from you, God, and we don't want to just be uh, tickled, so to speak, in our emotions. Uh, Father, we, we, we want to be stirred by you. We want to be encouraged by you. So I pray, Lord God, that you would even flow through your servants today. But as a people collectively, Lord, we open our hearts to receive from you. Give us a spirit of faith to believe. Hallelujah. God, we don't want to settle. We don't want to just be like, like those couple of tribes that settled on the other side of the Jordan River. God, we want to believe that, Lord, you're going to give us the grace and the courage to to, to latch on to everything that you have for us. So we say yes to your word. We say yes to your promises. We open our hearts to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.